to another episode of the Pacific Current. I'm Jenica Kay. And this is Andrew T. We've got an extra host on the show today, DJ. What's up? Aloha. And today's episode will be featuring Wesley Sen, Tapa researcher and maker for the last 40 years. Welcome to the show, Wesley. Aloha. Thank you for being here. Well, we really appreciate it. We're excited to learn a lot. Tell us a little bit about your journey over the last 40 years coming into this. Well, 40 years ago, this would be back in 1979, 1978, I was teaching a children's program and we had a, a Hawaiiana program. So when I was a kid, I went to Ala Moana Children's Center. This was at the McCoy Pavilion in Ala Moana. And Aina Keave and Marie McDonald, a lot of them were the uh, heads of that. And so uh, they trained us to do all of those things back then. And that was very uh, advanced back then because nobody was teaching Hawaiian culture and, and crafts and things. Mostly you do the stuff to make the keychain and different yeah. things, but not the real Hawaiian crafts. And, and they, they specialized in that. They taught us how to make our uli uli and uh, ohea no ihu, the nose flute, the puili, everything. And we did a parade around Ala Moana uh, Shopping Center back then. And we did the story of Maui. So one of the boys uh, dressed up in his malo and then, you know, he was pulling the sun and then we would shake our uli uli and our upuili and everything. And they said, ahe o Maui. And then, you know, they, <laughs> we went right around the shopping center. But um, that was a seed that was planted in our hearts because many of us in that program continued in perpetuating the culture when we got older. One of them is Malcolm Chan. He's uh, translated uh, some books on the kahuna and different topics. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, he, um, he, he it's several books he's done. And then we had uh, several others. They all were involved with the culture in one way or the other. So at that time, I was teaching the kids at the church school and we came across the topic of uh, tapa making mm. and at that time I said oh I wonder who I can go to 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 uh, you know learn more and all that so I went to see Beatrice Kraus. Beatrice Kraus was the professor back then for Hawaiian ethnobotany. Um, we still had kupuna around that knew how to use the plants and everything but uh, Hawaii it was a very different place than in the South Pacific. So even though they may have had knowledge of, of how to do it when they were younger, uh, people weren't doing it because it's, it, we, we were too modernized, you know, too. Um, we're living in a different world already by, by that time. So I went to Beatrice and I said, oh, you know, I'd, I'd like to... Um, uh, uh, teach the children tapa making and you know, she says well, you know, you can do this and you know this and she was giving me suggestions and you know She said you gotta make the tool then she referred me to different people one of them was um, Over at the Bishop Museum uh, Was there and she, I forget what uh, Hawaiian Civic Club they were with but she was so nice You know, she said oh, yeah, you know Dennis Keavi came from Hilo and uh, we made our own anvil and we made our own beaters and all. And uh, so that was a start. And then I got referred to 
Dennis Kelvin, we, they call him Kana'ina uh, back then. And I learned how he did, you know, his work. He did beautiful tools and everything. Um, then Auntie, uh, Beatrice referred me to Auntie Malia Solomon, and she had started the Ulumao Village. The Ulumao Village was originally over at the Alamona uh, Park mm. on the Waikiki site. And this village uh, they made had all the kupuna, and they were doing all the different Hawaiian crafts. But Malia Solomon had to go through the South Pacific to learn how to make tapa. Because all the old folks, they knew how to do quilt, they knew how to do lauhala, they knew how to do all the coconut leaves, make fishnet, all of that. But when it came to that, nobody knew. So I went, uh, I went to Malia Solomon's house in Kamaki and, you know, she showed me what she was doing and all that. And, uh, continued to work with Beatrice Krauss. I would go to her and say, Beatrice, what do you think about this? And, you know, she says, well, yes, you know, well, let's try an experiment. And then we got the plant. We found the plant. You had to get start with the plant because, see, in the old days, there were plantations. Every ahopua, you always had not only your kalo, you had to have your wauke mm -hmm. because the wauke was very important. They did use ulu. They used mamake. They used some other plants to make the tapa. But the primary uh, source was the wauke, which they brought with them from Tahiti when they came. Mm -hmm. And we know that the, the one, like the one outside here, your door, yeah. is the exact same variety they have in Tahiti and the Marquesas. Oh, wow. Because when I went to Samoa, it's a different one. When I went to Tonga, it's a little different. And then to Fiji, it's a little different. So <clears throat> we first had to get the plant. And uh, there was one variety I picked up over there in Kualoa uh, Park was going right by the shower, the boy shower, and I, uh, they said it was from Foster Gardens. Then I went to the Big Island, and I went to Lapakahi State Park, and they said, oh, well, there's one over here on this side that the City of Refuge brought to us, because they said the other one over there on the other side, they said, that's not the right one. So I said, you know what, let me take them back to Honolulu, I'll show Beatrice Krauss, mm -hmm. and let her identify it. So I did, I brought the two back, and she said, Oh, no, these are the same. It's just, it's a different <laughs> cultivar. Because the leaves on one were uh, lobe leaves. It's like a finger. Mm. And the other one on the north part was um, just round, like the one outside here, the door. Okay? So, that's, uh, we then asked questions. Where did the one, the city of refuge come from? Oh, Malia Solomon. Uh, we got that from her. Okay. But the one up in uh, the, 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 the Kohala side of your park, where did that come from? Oh, Armstrong Yamamoto got that. But we don't know where, you know, he, he just got it. Many years later, I was working at the Hilton Waikoloa. His son-in-law worked with me, Claude. And uh, of all things, today at Aulani, we have Teresa working in the cafeteria as yeah. his niece. So she, <laughs> that's, his, that's Armstrong's niece. So I said, you know, your cousin Claude was working with me at the spa. And uh, he, he, I found out that he, you know, he was married to the daughter. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, um, ask Daddy, where did that plant come from? The one he uh, brought down to Lapakahi, that tapa plant. And so he, he went to the father and he said, oh, Dad, one guy we're asking, uh, where you wouldn't get that plant from? You know, that you, and he said, 
Taga from Kamehameha School. He said, no. Um, no, he's not from Kamehameha School. He said, oh, okay, because he, I guess back then they were looking for college degree kind of people. And so oh. he wanted to be a resource and other, but they didn't use him because he never had a degree. So he had bad taste of it. That's why he wanted to find out if I was Kamehameha School. When he found out, I was there, oh, okay. So he, 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 um, he went to go check. And then he came back and the uh, son-in-law said, Oh, daddy said he went up. Kohala uh, go look, but the, uh, the cows ate them all up because at the time that he got it, the plantation just shut down. Kohala, that's what happened. That's why that Lapakahi State Park was um, established because the, the state had to do some kind of uh, job training to provide job because there were 10, over 10,000 people in Kohala all working for the sugar plantation. Then the sugar plantation shut down, no jobs. Some went to Mauna Kea Beach Hotel, but they didn't have all the other resorts yet, see. So if people moved away, they went to Hilo, a lot of went to Hilo, some have to come Honolulu, and the population went down to half or less, you see. But um, Armstrong, uh, when he had gone, the sugar cane, now the sugar cane, because it was there, uh, the land was all reserved, yeah, for that. So, you, you know, that when it stopped, all that land was then, uh, a lot of it was bought by different people, but a investment firm bought quite a bit and they leased it out to the ranchers. So the ranchers took that and then the cows went out and whatever plants there were, they don't, you know, the cows ate. So he said, oh, and I said, but where was it in Kohala? He said, Oh, Daddy said it was up Makapala Road, and I know Makapala because this is where Island Breeze, the one that your um, if your niece danced for, mm. they had a retreat center over there. <laughs> See, and it was an old schoolhouse. So I knew the plant came from Kohala. Then we went to Dr. Uh, Donald Mitchell. He used to teach up at Kamehameha School for many, many years. I went to his house out in Ahuemano, and I said, Oh, um, Dr. Mitchell, I'd like to learn, you know, a little bit more about the Kappa Maggie. He says, well, you know, I'm getting research right now. I'm just trying to put all my notes together. I want to make a book and have all these things, the different topics in the Hawaiian culture, because he was good at the games and different things, you know, and today you see that book, uh, Resources in Hawaiian Culture by Donald Kilolani Mitchell, you know, and he, he put that in. He put my name in because I, we worked together on the Tapa stuff. And, uh, was such a wonderful experience to be with people like that back then. They were so olu olu, very, very loving people. And then uh, Beatrice said, oh, my good friend Mary Pritchard from American Samoa is coming with the Arts Council of Samoa. And they're going to do um, uh, tapa making demonstration, weaving, they're going to dance. and So I went to see them. And they, they were demonstrating how they do the siapo, the Samoan tapa. Um, and I, I met her and, you know, I said, Oh, I'd like to, this is very fascinating. I'd like to see how you folks do it because the Hawaiians don't know how to do theirs. It's lost, you know. And, uh, I went down to Samoa in 1980. Uh, it was a study tour. We studied for six months at, at the UH. Wow. And what it was to see, I was a school teacher back then. So, because if I was going to be placed into um, like Kalihi area and those places, a lot of Samoan families or Filipino families. So I already could speak some Ilocano. 
So they said, well, you should learn somewhere because then the parents come, they feel comfortable, you know, with the teacher. So I said, okay, so I learned six months of, of basic somewhere. Then we went down to Samoa. I went with Keone Fairbanks and several other people. Keone Fairbanks was very instrumental because he, when we came back the next year, they established the Lo'e Kanevai, which is right by the Hawaiian Studies Center. And that was before anybody thought of a center or cult, you know, uh, the school for just Hawaiian studies. But what happened was this was a lo'i back there, and then they abandoned it. So he and the Hawaiian club, I said Manoa, Tuahini or Manoa, they had a Hawaiian language club back then. They decided that they were going to restore the lo'i. So because Keone's mom is a Dillingham, he contacted Dillingham. He said, oh, I need you guys help me. You got to put the pipe in where you can bring the water from the river where East West Center is. There's a river going. Right? Bring the water and then have it come down to where the lo'e is. So they put the big pipe in from the river, connected under the bridge, and then the water went right into the, the lo'e. And then he called me and he said, because we went to Samoa together, and he said, oh, Wes, um, we want to plant wauke, you know, so can you bring the plant? So we did, we planted it there. But when he and I had gone to Samoa in uh, 1990, I mean, in 1980, excuse me, uh, my cousin was living in Pango Pango at that time. He was head of Bank of Hawaii, he was the manager. And it was so funny because, you know, he had stories after stories he would tell us about, you know, the Samoans coming to the teller and, uh, the Matai before, the Matai come, he said, Oi, you know, he said, I like, I want my, I want this much money. And the teller would give it to him. <laughs> he didn't have a check or anything. Yeah. But she, you know, she, that's from his, her village. And the Matai said, give me the money. So, so he was sent over there to get everything in order. And then they have a father beloved. So then, you know, they come to them, oh, Mr. Rowe, where we get Fala Vilave? We, we need $6,000, you know, for Fala Vilave. And he look at the record, he look at the credit and everything, and he go, you know what, I'm sorry, all I can give you is 600 Oh, that's okay, we did that, you know, so. And then he told, he told me that the, uh, one of the employees came to him when they said, Mr. Rowe, um, they're going to turn off the electricity at my house and my family house. And, you know, could, could I have an advance on my paycheck, please? Because otherwise we'll have no electricity in the house. And so my cousin said, you know what? I'm sorry, I can't do that. You're going to have to wait to pay the Next day, the boy come back. He goes, thank you, Mr. Rowe. Thank you very much. Because see, what happened is his job was to come ask. The family oh. said, you go ask. But if he did get the money, he have no money when payday come. Mm. That's it. So by him asking, and then he go back, oh, too low level. You know, he said, no, the guy tell me, no, mean, you know, you know, like help me. Well, the parents cannot do nothing because the boss said, cannot. But he was happy the boss said, cannot. <laughs> you know? So it was, I stayed with him the first night, and then we flew off on the airplane to go to uh, Apia, and then uh, actually Faliolo. We landed, the Manono people came to get us. And then we got on a little boat and went to Manono. You guys went to Manono? Uh, to Manono. Oh. Yeah. Tiny island. Little island. And they said, no dogs. No dogs, no cars. And 
I don't even think had electricity. Okay, so had the uh, the moly that that the gas lantern, you know. So I went and I st- we stayed in the village of Falu'u, um, and it was such a wonderful experience because back then it was real the old days. I even got to well, I they gave me a bed to sleep on, but everybody was sleeping on the floor in the fale, and I just thought. How did a bed get into this house? You know, because it was you'd raised, and they're passing by. You know, no walls there. They all the, the open, and then everybody, Whoo, you know, they 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 waving to me, and I'm in bed. I wave. Oh, everybody could see me. And then nighttime, they put the ta'inam with the, the mosquito net over you, and then you're sleepy. In the morning, they get, Wishly. oh, okay, ah, I'm I must see torch. I said, what? I want to borrow your torch. I said, oh, okay. So you want to use my flashlight? So I gave her a flashlight because it was early in the morning and she want to go to school. So she borrowed my flashlight so she can go in the dark to the boat. And then they went across, you know, to, to school. And uh, my family, uh, he was a principal of the school on that island. And the, um, he was from Savai'i, but the, but the wife was native of Manono. Her name was Mafui'i. And um, they were related to Leota. That time, Alama Leota, you know. And they, they, they said, oh, um, Mafui'i's cousin is um, Alama Leota, you know, in Honolulu. And I said, oh, how nice. <laughs> yeah. And she said, Oh, he always tell his cousin, you know, if she need anything, you know, ask and all that. I didn't want to. I tried to explain, but it didn't make sense to them, you know, about what what the situation was back in Hawaii. And uh, it was beautiful, though, because the people there were so loving. But the kids, if they get in they make trouble. Oh, they get up and kick them right there and punch them and it's like, oh, fussy, you know. And one time, a boy, he said, he, he told the boy several times that boy didn't listen. All of a sudden, he got up, he kicked the kid, they flew over the other side of the room. He says, Wesley, this is what we do when the children don't listen to us. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and then uh, I remember to the they had the falesami over the water the, the toilet yeah and then I said uh, I came to mommy I said Mafie uh, yeah it's a toilet paper <laughs> oh too low I and so I said oh okay so, so I'm gonna wipe you know when I get in there I saw the little milo leaves all tucked in the corner I said oh that's how and then I looked in the hole and I saw one crab and I saw some fish down in the water and I said, those are the ones that eat the stuff. <laughs> and so I asked later on, I asked the father, I said, Mape, um, do you folks eat that crab and that fish? Said, no, 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 no. We go way out to the reef and we eat those fish. We don't eat that one over there, you know, because it was a sp- the crab had uh, 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 red dots on the top of the shell and the fish was a silver color, was a fat fish, yeah, like a mullet cut. But they said they don't, they don't eat that one. So it was, it was really nice because here you are, there's no um, electricity, there's, uh, you know, the radio, dead batteries for the radio, and then they play, you know, the, the radio 
I think when it's maybe daytime, they had a lot of government, it's government. So the government came on and said, you know, this is the time and this and that. So sometimes they had English on it, but most of the time in Samoan, what time, what's happening, you know. And then I think in the evening would be uh, announcement from the people wanted to talk to the family. No cell phones, yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah. So no, and only had one phone on the island, but you got to dial up the radio and then they got to call. So uh, the announcements come over and then in someone they say, oh, uh, the family of so-and-so in uh, this village, they, your cousin in uh, Apia said, come over, the money came into the bank or whatever, you know, that <laughs> <laughs> and I remember people getting letters from New Zealand and they open up and they get one, you know, $5 uh, New Zealand uh, dollar or something. And, and they, they, you know, they would, you, they, that would be common because the families are all, you know, throughout the, uh, either New Zealand, Australia or in the States. And uh, it was such a nice time. And that's where I got to see the siapo being made. Um, Mary Pritchard, I saw that with her in Honolulu, and then when I was going to go back to American Samoa, uh, she was going to, uh, I, I went to her fale and, in Vaikongi, and that's where she taught me for the next 10 years. But in, in Manono at that time, they still could do it. They had the plants. I, I, I saw some, you know, the plants growing around the houses, different places. <clears throat> they could get the plant, strip everything, and then they could beat it. They first they scrape, scrape, and then they beat it, and then they someone went and got the the dye from the tree, you know, and then they would get the the little board, the upeti, and put it on, and then that time they still use the um, masoa, the the Hawaiians call pia, the arrowroot, and so because today they use the manioka, the cassava, or whatever, but this time they would boil that and then they rub so they could stick the the uh, the, the the sheets together, you know, with that. And uh, it was it was really nice because Manono was famous for the iakonga, the, the fine mat. So the you know the women would bring out their weaving and do that. And then after they finish doing their demonstration for us, then they have fia fia. So they'd all start dancing, you know. And then we get up and we dance, and it was it was such a nice time. And church every night have the saw, you hear them boo. You know, and then everybody, everybody got to get in, and then they all start singing, and so I, you, you had a nice time of, of 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 prayer and everything in the village. That village, uh, the island, the predominant uh, church was the um, Lotu Metotisi, the Methodists. Oh. Yeah, Lotu Tonga, or they call Lotu Metotisi. So that was the main church of that island. I think for. Um, uh, uh, the LDS and all those other ones, you gotta go on the main island, cause, uh, this one right in Faleu had the, I think they, oh, they also had, uh, Lamosa, the yeah, London Lamosa. missionary. Yeah. yeah, because one of the boys that worked with he and I at Aulani, Sam, you know, Big Sam, used to work with us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sam. okay. His mother was the pastor's daughter on Manono that time. Maybe, maybe just before I came or maybe just when I was there. But he was with the London Missionary Society. Mm. But that wasn't the big church. The big church was the, the Manono was known for the Methodist church. Oh. So they all had their tapu, you know, the things they got to obey and all that. When the saw come, everybody got to go inside the house. Nobody can be playing outside. And 
Sunday, everybody dress up and they go church, you know, and then they have the koonai, you know, and he goes, they, the boys cook that early in the morning. It was such a nice time to be in Samoa. When you go on the bus, you go into a pier and, um, you know, the, they pass in front of you, tulok, tulok, you know, and then they, they, they bow and Very they walk in. Yeah, it was, oh, I tell you, it was, you know, you experienced a real Polynesia because Hawaii wasn't like that anymore, you know, they wasn't like that. And you go in the market, you can buy all the traditional products. You buy the talo, the ulu, you buy food, but you also had people selling bats. You had people selling the, you know, the, the broom, the salu, and uh, every, any, anything that they made, they would bring over there to the marketi. And uh, as time went on, Mary Pritchard not only trained me to do the, the siapo, but uh, she also taught me how to um, order and buy the lauhala mats and the hula skirts and all that because she used to send it up during World War II to the oh. souvenir shops. And that's how, the, with that money, she sent her daughters to uh, school here. Uh, it was called Kawaii House Seminary, but I think Mid-Pacific today. Yeah, they call it Mid-Pacific. So she says, oh, I would order the siapu from uh, that village, I ordered the hula skirts from that village, and then uh, her husband's <laughs> village would um, were famous for the leone uh, tapa because the leone tapa uh, they imitated the stained glass of the church because they used to work right under the uh, the big church in leone, and the church had stained glass, and you know each little section got different colors and all that. So what they would do is they would look at that. And then they would make it into the siapo design, but they put colors with uh, yellow, with the olena dye. They put uh, the the red with the you know the lipstick seed, the loa. Then they put uh, the oa, which is that blood tree. They put brown, and then the black. They get the kukuinas and they burn them and they make soot, and then they mix that to for the black, you know. And then they use the lauhala, the the fruit for the brush. And then they would make all of that, you know, and they're looking at the, the thing and copy the design. And Mary said, you know, in the old days when I was there sitting next to uh, the old ladies and the, the high chief's wife would tell all the women, okay, today we're going to make this. And so they all had their, their, uh, their white tapa all on the board like that. And then she would say, Oh, the bird got caught up in the in the hurricane in the wind and it twists like this. And as soon as she said that, they all knew what design to make. Wow. Because that that what she said meant the design go like this. So that this design, it looks like a plumeria, everybody think it's a flower, but it's actually the bird's um footprints in the sand and also the wings spreading out. So when she said the bird went up into the the wind and twist around like that, so th th they know how to go like this, you know, and make the design, and then they fill in their own little things in between and all that. So, so they started doing the design like according to how poetry, poetry, the, the poetry, the things that they describe it, and the designs were based upon what's in the environment. So the laulu was the the, the leaf of the ulu. That one went like this. Mm -hmm. Then the uh, fa'alia was the choker shell. So all the one that like that, like a cone shape or like this, like a triangle was the fa'alia, was a, the choker shell. Then they had a vaituli, that's the sandpiper when they go in the sand like that. You see the little footprints. 
there was that side. Then uh, um, uh, the Afa, the, they tie the post of the house with the, the um, coconut senate. And so make a design. So when you do all like these lines like this in the blocks, that was the, the, uh, the Afa. And then they had, um, oh, Aveao, the starfish. So the starfish, you know, yeah, like that. So they, they, every design had a name for something that was in the environment, you know. So when you say, oh, she wants to make, um, this and this and this, then they, they put those elements together. So that's what I'm going to do when I go to Kona this weekend. Um, we're going to, I'm going to teach them how Auntie Mary taught me to design those. They call it Siapu Mamanu because that type you have to, um, hand paint. See, and uh, the other way would be the siapu um, ele, where you get the board and then you put the top on top and you rub the design on top. That one you can repeat it, you know, so you can make the big ones. But the uh, if you can do big one with the one that hand painted, just take time, you know. She and Mary would make some huge the size of this wall, and uh, they had one at Bishop Museum at several locations. And during that time, Mary would take me. Two different places, like she said. I said, "What about the? Um, we need to get, you know, the uh, the the, the Wauke bark." So she says, "Okay, let's drive up to uh, Fui Maunu's place up here, and then we'll go." And then she went up. We saw the old lady, and then she talked to her. I said, "Oh, uh, I came to get some ua." I said, "How did you know that this place? Uh, yeah. She had it all in the back." She said, "Well, I knew from way back." that they had the tree, but nobody using it anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's why, sure enough, some of them were real big and everything, you know, because the, the, the old lady, she cannot do it anymore, but she was drying her laufala out in the yard. At least that part she kept. And uh, Mary said, oh, you know, she was a very high-ranking uh, woman in the, you could see because of the malu on her legs, yeah, mm -hmm. the tattoo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's certain type the 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 one has to be the chief high chief's wife or you know that kind of taupo and um uh so we went to go get it there and then one time i said oh i need to get oa for the dye so she said okay take the tongan boys with you to taputima i'll call margaret and ask tell her that you're gonna come up and so we went to the nubal estate over in taputimo nubal and pritchard related because Miss uh, Ron, Uncle Ron's sister married Mr. Newble. See, so she's a Pritchard married to the Newble and then had uh, Mike Newble, John Newble was an author and had several of them. And they all had a compound in Tapatimo. So we drove up there. They all had Tongan servants, you know, with them. So we went up and we went to uh, in the back of Leslie's house in the bush and then we started to scrape the tree, you know, and get all the, the bark off. And then when we took it back to the house, the Tongan boys, they know how to put it in a strainer. It's made out of the, the how, made like a mat, and you'd hold them up, and then they go on the bottom, and one go this way, the other come this way, and they twist, yeah? And then all the dye starts coming out from the bottom. But in Tonga, they mix water because they, they, they make big, big, you know, the natu with that. So I remember where I said, don't mix it with the water. <laughs> she said, I told her, because someone don't put water inside. The thing got to be, because bleed, yeah? If you put yeah. too much water, then the thing going to, um, 
the die will run later on. So she she was she scolded Tom and boys that why they put water inside. But it was but and then sometimes they have to they strain by hand. I used to see them they just straining by hand. But they knew how to do that because that's how they do back in Tonga, you know. And all of them had Tongan help. I remember that um, when my wife and I got married and we went over to. Samoa for my honeymoon. She was thinking, of all places we go for my honeymoon, <laughs> he go take me down Samoa. And then we arrived, and I remember she says, You know, Mary told me, Oh, so you got my boy Wes, huh? And after that, I never saw him. <laughs> she took Wes there, and I don't know where they went. And I got stuck at home with Marilyn and everybody in the house. And, and we, we, from there, we went from American Samoa, we went to Apia, took the flight over to Fiji. So we went that way. Then we got into Fiji. Uh, we called, um, I was working with Pua Van Dorp back then, and she was researching Tapa and all that. The husband was trying to open up the Hawaiian Sea Village and in Lahain, Kanapali. Hmm. So Amfac was sponsoring that, and that we had Herb Kane, we had Sam Ka'ai, we had all that, Rubalite Johnson, everybody, Kalani Mainaki, everybody on the team. They were going to build a Williamsburg, Virginia, Hawaiian style. So Pua was in charge of the tapa making. Then uh, Sam Kai was doing the carving. and all that. But then I remember at that time, they said, well, we're going to have to send the Hawaiians working here to Fiji. I said, why? He said, because they don't know how to be Polynesian. I said, what? He said, well... They don't know how to use the plants. They don't know how to, you know, work in the bushes. And, and it was true because the Fiji, all those people down there, they could go in the bush. They knew how to come out with stuff. Okay. The Samoans, they get the coconut leaf. They make the basket. They put them on the stick. They put all the coconuts inside. They walk out with the taro and everything. Our kids today, I take them, I, I teach at the Halau Kumana for the Hananoeau program. Well, the kids are learning. We take them in the forest. I said, what if you didn't have a, a bank? I said, what if you don't have a, um, a sack or something to take all this out? How are you going to take them out? They go, oh, we don't know, you know. <laughs> so we, every year we do, I take the boys with me. I say, okay, let the girls stay over there, scrape the dye on the tree. I'll take you boys here, go get the kukui. So we got the kukui roots. I said, now, how are we going to carry them out? You're going to carry them on the arm. They go, oh, it's kind of plenty. I said, okay. You, see that the one right over there, the how? I said, I want you to cut three of those sticks. So they cut three of the sticks. Okay, peel off the bark. How? I said, hey, I like this. So you whack them a little bit and then the thing come loose. I said, just pull it now. Pull it. Pull the whole thing off. Okay, I said, now you get all the, the how you, you strip. You put them on the, on the ground like this, this way. Okay? Now grab some of those palm leaves. Grab uh, the... the um, had ginger, had the, the ginger, put them on top. Okay, so the how goes this way, horizontal, and then the other, the leaves go vertical. Now put all your roots on top that. And then they grab all the, the uh, strips of the how bark, and then I get a long pole, they put the pole through, and they tie all the, the strips on top. So now one boy can hold in the front, one boy can hold in the back. They make a awamo and then they walk out of the forest like that. So that's their fun thing because they, they all go, hey, look at this. Look at it, bro. We're walking out of the forest. And, you know, they make sure they take pictures with their phone and all that. They, they do so it. Now they know that. how to make a. 
the uh, Awamo with the stuff which in the forest. But that was to purposely show them because they don't know. Oh yeah, they don't know. Not like the kids in Samoa, the kids that in the bushes, you know, they they know how to. Uh, this you can send the children into the plantation, the fatuanga, and then they can go in, mm-hmm. get the talo. They know how to do everything. They come back, they prepare it. They, the kids doing all the work, yeah. you know, in Samoa. Oh, yeah. So uh, our kids don't do that. Our kids, they, we don't, we don't let them. Oh, let me get hurt, or you know, yeah. or let them play the video games or whatever. Yeah. And you know, now especially with with. Um, all the law and everything. Nobody spanked kids. Not like Samoa. <laughs> you know. Samoa, they, they spank them. And then they, I, I said, they said, if they get spanked at school, they're going to come back and they're going to get spanked again, you know, at home. <laughs> so that's how it all started back then. This is, uh, you know, over 30 years ago. And today what we, what I'm able to teach uh-huh. at the schools or at Mayor Monarch, uh, DJ here wants to learn to make his own. Maybe he wants to design something. I told him, why don't you look at pre-contact design? Because that would be cool. Yeah. yeah. See, everybody got Oe Kapala, Oe Kapala. They think that's the only thing. Mm-hmm. But Oe Kapala is recent because the Hawaiians did not decorate their tapa with bamboo stamps until they had metal tools. Mm. When did metal uh, metal tools come in? Late 1700s with the you know Europeans and all. But prior to that, everything was hand-painted, hand-painted, and very intricate, very intricate, and the colors were very bold. The noni root for red or for yellow, and then the, um, the kukui, they burn the nuts, and then they use the yeah. soot for the black, and the root itself, or the bark from the tree, you know, you smash it up, and then you mix a little bit of water inside, and it provides the, the reddish-brown. You see all those colors on top of the, the pre-contact tapas mm-hmm. and i told him why don't you try something like that on a you know necktie or whatever you have some people have tried that in the past but everybody's thinking ohe kapala i said but ohe kapala is based upon a different time and it's it's what happened was we also saw uh, a, a, a pattern book from Europe, Europe mm-hmm. that was about that time. People were shocked. They said, eh, that looked like the Hawaiian prince. <laughs> or the Hawaiian prince actually looked like that because the Hawaiians were looking at the, the prince off the ship the people were wearing or the, they were trading with. And then they looked at it and said, oh, we can do that. So then they started to use the oe kapala. Mm-hmm. And then the cloth also was very, was trying to imitate the, the calico cloth or the stuff that the, was coming off the ship. But eventually, you know, the, the use, they could work for one day and go get a, a boat of cloth or whatever. Then, then why make the tapa? Because the tapa have to be made every week. Because see, what they don't understand is when you wear, it get dirty. They don't wash in the washing machine. After you're done with it, it has to be thrown out or velu for rags, you know, when the lady need for uh, that time of the month or they're going to use for the, uh, the, the, on the candle, you know, the Hawaiian before the lamp, yeah, the lama kukui, they twist the, 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 the tapa like that. They make a wick and they put it inside a kukui oil and then they light one side. So that was the, the wick, you know, for that, that torch, that the lamp and, uh, tapa eventually 
as soon as the the Western cloth became available, went out fast. Mm-hmm. In Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, those areas, because it was incorporated in their ceremonies, they used it. Mm-hmm. They didn't wear. They didn't wear daily life. You know, people think that they wore siapo all the time, and they don't wear. Americans said they didn't wear siapo every day. They because the men had the the tau, you know, the the pe'a. Yeah. So that's why, and they had from here down to the knees. In the old days, they thought they had pants on. The explorers, you know, from a distance, look like they get trousers, but it's not. And all they do, they wear the kiki. You know, they make out of the tea or they make out of the fowl, and then they just wear that to cover right up by the private area. But they didn't wear siapo. They didn't wear the tapa. Tonga, maybe they had they they, they more like a lava lava or something. You can see a lot of the old pictures. They had something like that. And Fiji, they did use it for the um, uh, the malo. The the men wore for the malo, and then the women wore like a a skirt, you know. But um, they also used the the liku, the, the um, uh, hibiscus, the the, the how. You know, to, like a skirt. And that's what they were using every day instead of the tapa. Because the tapa have to be disposed of after. You cannot keep uh, wearing, you know, because it get dirty, eh? yeah? Especially for the malo and all that. In Tahiti, same thing. Tahiti, as soon as the Western cloth became available and all that, they, they, they started going after that. They didn't keep making uh, the tapa. One of the projects that I'll be doing uh, this coming fall is I met a woman and she's a descendant of Fletcher Christian and Mawatua. Long ago, there was um, the Mutiny on the Bounty. You might have seen Mel Gibson or before there was Marlon Brando and they had made the movie about Captain Bly and the sailors mutinying. And while these people, it's a true story because they took the Tahitian women with them. They found an island to run away and the descendants are still alive today. All of the women were from different islands in uh, near Tahiti, and they were from royal families, so they all know how to make uh, their kind tapa, and was similar to Hawaiian, because we know, my wife took the DNA test, and a lady from Australia who's related, who's a descendant of those people, came up on her DNA, and, uh, and Grandpa said that they had Tahitian, because the name was Pola Pola, so great-grandmother, the last name Polo Polo, that refers to Tahiti. So in, when the genealogy came and then she, we saw that, I said, you know what, your grandfather was right. Now, it did it, they, they talk about the Tahitian princess coming, you know, a long time ago, and she came from Tahiti on the red canoe, and she married this, you know, uh, uh, a young chief from Monolua and all that. But we know the Tahitians were coming even with the missionaries from um, Tahiti and they were, it, ships had come from Tahiti, they would dock, there would be Tahitians on board. So there was intermarriage even recently, you know, they, when grandpa said, oh, you first Tahitian, he didn't mean like 1,000 years ago. He meant closer and the name Pola Pola means Tahiti. So that's why they, you know, he kept saying, and when her DNA thing went to exactly to those people, I said, okay, grandpa was right. The Tahitian princess or whatever, the, the people that were coming were of rank that went into your family. Because that's what, we have the genealogy. Because see, grandpa was Mormon in the beginning because of his, uh, the family when raised him, one of his aunties, the Sniffins. 
So in the Mormon church, he's listed as John Mahina McCandless. And then later on, I guess he went with, when he married grandma, he went with Kavai Ha'o. So then he changed to Kavai Ani Ani. But the, but what the genealogy said was proven by the DNA test. Wow. And so the lady's coming in October and, um, she's going to study one week with Dalani, the next week with me. And we want to recreate the costumes of her ancestors because when they came to the island to discover them, that's what they were wearing. But they weren't wearing, like the Tajians, they leave the top, you know, topless or the, there's some, they had, um, uh, tiputa, the poncho. Mm. They were covered up a little more modestly. And so when they went to Tahiti, you know, they took them to Tahiti first because they found all of them and all. they weren't used to. They said they felt because they were, um, the guy who, the last remaining sailor had Christianized them. And so they felt embarrassed because they said, oh, they don't have clothes. Oh, they, you know, they're all naked and they're very, uh, lascivious. You know, they, they just want to make love any old time. And they were not accustomed to that because they were on their own island and they were part, you know, English and part Tahitian. And so she's coming and, uh, we hope to recreate that, but we only can do that because of the 40 years of research, yeah. experimentation working with it so that today we can so that today it looks like dj want to go make his piece mm-hmm. right outside your your door here you can go get the plant you can pound it and make it the noni is outside you can get the dye and you know make yeah. that too it's only because of all those people that went before us and i am so grateful because it was such a wonderful wonderful time to go to samoa when it was still I'm sure it's still like that in certain parts, you know, but... Um, I'm sure Manono is still like that. Manono. I saw, the, I saw a video recently and it looked very similar because they still don't have cars yeah. and uh, they didn't allow dogs, but one family had a kitty cat. Oh. Yeah. And I said, I said, oh, what a pussy, yeah. And then yeah. they said, yep, but that's the only house that had one cat. Yeah. There no dogs was allowed. And no, um, because you know, the rest of the villages outside, they all have dogs. Yeah, you gotta use oh, the yeah. rock to go chase yeah. them and all that. And no cars. So you just have to walk right around the island. I don't know how you get stuff from one, you know, like if the, the boat bring the lumber or something for you to build your house and all that. But they do it. That's how they do it. And I remember walking around Manono just by myself, right around the island. We go with, sometimes we went with several of the uh, people in our group. And then when you're passing the different areas, they yell out, yeah, from the house. Oh, son, you know the king. And then you go, oh, fuck, I love. Uh. <laughs> they just be polite. But if you did go and drink, they would, they would serve you and they would bring some crackers or whatever, you know, so for you to eat. And then, but they always put, um, sugar and milk in the tea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they make it sweet. So that, that, that was different, but it was such a nice time. And, you know, because of that, I think that influenced my work because the, with the, those people back then were such beautiful people that today when I'm teaching the kids, I want to exemplify what was, how I was taught. You know, I wasn't, uh, people weren't mean to me or rough or rude or they were very gracious. And of course, the custom where they hanai you and you become part of the family. And I remember when Mary died, the phone call, we were living in Los Angeles at that time. The call came and they said, 
grandma just died. You need to be down here for the funeral as soon as possible. I said, oh my God. I said, honey, well, I got to go fly down Samoa. Mary died. So we, you know, got our money together and I flew down. She said, well, you got to go yourself because it's too much for two of us. So I flew down and the funeral was 10 days, how they, you know, have yeah. their, their time and all the exchanges of the fine mats and, you know, this is, but I remember at the very end and, uh, Langi, her niece from Savai'i used to live in Apia and she, she always, uh, you know, helped me get stuff. And when I went to Apia, I stayed with her and, uh, she would talk Samoan to me, but I, I, I managed to understand and, I was remember we were burying, putting the coffin in, and I just started to weep and weep. And she held me, and she said, "Mary is your mom. You have to take care. Remember her memory. Don't give up. You have to go on and teach what she taught you." And I said, "Oh, but I just I miss my mommy. I miss my mommy. You know." And I cried and cried, but it was okay because, you know, she. They, they, they knew I was like her son. So you, you do that because that's your mommy. And, um, uh, I went back, I think about a year later, you know, and then, of course, the, the, the tomb is right outside the house. Yeah. yeah. Outside. And, you know, sat with her and just talked to her and just said, Oh, you know, Mary, I, 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 it was such a wonderful experience. I really would like to continue this and show all the, you know, the next generation what you taught me. And so this Sunday will be that because I'm going to, um, uh, Island Breeze is opening up this beautiful festival there in Kona, uh, several days. And I'm going to do, uh, probably the first in Kona, the Siapo Mamanu workshop. And I told them, I said, I want the kids to come. I'll have all the dyes ready. I, I already beat the cloth. They sit down. They can paint their own uh, siapo. And let them experience it. Because many of them, they, they, you know, Island Breeze, they all dance. They mm -hmm. all sing. They do all the performing. But I told them, this is what you don't have. Yeah. I said, you folks have the uh, outward. But what about the inside? I said, with this comes a whole lot of stuff out of the culture, not just, you know, manual, uh, uh work, mm -hmm. but you, you talking about the, the history, the, the plants, how you use them. There's so much in there. You know, when you can go in the forest and look at all the different plants, oh, I, I can use that for that. You can use that for that mm -hmm. and that. And you come out and you make things with it. That's what we're trying to teach the kids. Because most of our kids live right around here in this kind of neighborhood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And their tea leaf is in the yard and their plants are in the yard. But they don't, and a couple of don't have bushes. No. You know, I mean, I don't, like, like how in Samoa you have the, you know, the, oh, yeah. you can go in a bush and they can go get coconuts and whatever. It's not like that here. Okay. You know, and so this, this is where, uh, for the kids here, many of them, especially down where we are, they might be living in apartments or condos. Mm -hmm. So to go in the forest when we take them, that's the only time they're ever going to go. Yeah. They're never going to, they don't do that every day. Mommy and daddy don't do that every day, <laughs> you see. And this is where I'm, I'm hoping that uh, this will continue because the Samoan people are just starting to bring all of that back again. Um, 
they, 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 you see videos where they say, oh, you know, all the villages used to make, but then now they, they stop because, you know, a lot of work and everything, a lot of move all, moved away. And when Mary said she would go to um, LA and she would visit, the Samoans would, um, that she knew could do all that. They were there now with their families. And when she, they saw her, they go, Oh, you're still doing those things. Like, Oh, you know, you're so primitive or Poor backwards thing, yeah. or, you know, they thought, felt that they were above that. Mm. This is about 40 years ago, you know, cause they, they did that as children and young, young adults in Samoa, but that's all they knew. Then now they moved to Los Angeles and they think, Oh, you know, yeah. here we are. We, we're better than everybody else back home, you know, but Mary, uh, Mary instilled, I think, within me the desire for excellence. You know, when she was doing the work, she make, make sure everything straight, everything clean, the dyes prepared. You know, I watched the kids say, hey, no, 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 no mess, no, no make mess and don't spill. One of the poor girls, she was carrying the dye back to the class. This is a lion's album, you know. And, you know, that's why I always put cover. But this guy let him, let her take him without cover and then walking in. And she, of course, she dropped it and spilled all over the place. Poor oh, guy got so mad at her and he, 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 he was really mean. And I just said, that's okay. Yeah, look, just wipe it up and that's it. But you see, this is where you cannot teach this kind of stuff if you know more the heart. Mm. Because if you could be like that boy and he just was so angry with her, I saw he was so angry with her. The kids, they're, they're kids. That's why if they go and carry something back, put cover on top. You know what I mean? I do this long enough. I know they're going to spill or drop or whatever. They cannot <laughs> help it. You know what I mean? That's children. But you have to be the one to help them. And then when they make mistake and they cook it or whatever, you just say, oh, that's a very different way of doing it. How nice. You know what I mean? You know, you're stupid. Look at how ugly that thing is. And, you know, and then they, oh, they get all traumatized. And that. Again, no. yeah. So I hope that DJ here, the product that he makes, he'll look at it and all of you folks here will look at it and you'll say, oh my, this was the product of years and the kupunas that came before us and did all that. Mm-hmm. Ah, we are so fortunate to have them with us doing through those things, yeah. through those things. What are the, the values that, uh, the Hawaiian values that you instill with, with the children when they're learning the tapa making process? Um, one of the, the, the main things uh, is aloha because, mm-hmm. like I said, if you are, uh, are very mean to them and uh, you don't share with them in a graceful way. Now, if certain things you can scold them very gently and say, oh, you know, no, no, don't do that. You do it this way or whatever. But don't keep, don't come down on them with, you stupid, you don't know what you're doing. And I, they don't, you cannot, you need to build them up. And aloha builds up, doesn't tear down. See, 
because you know the old folks said ahonui you have to be patient akahai you be kind you know and you you yourself have to be humble when you're doing that you know look at them and well you know i can make better than you that no you treat them with love cuz that's what the kupunas did for us when i learned lauhala and you know i went back to opi opi hale way back in uh, in the 70s uh, my friend took me back to kona and his grandma used to weave hats so i said grandma can I, can you teach me how to make papale she said yeah so we got the lauhala we she prepared it for us and she taught me how to weave that was the first time back she taught me how to make a basket and a hat and you know she would write in hawaiian to me and tell me okay uh i i send her maybe 100 dollars you know from la and i said grandma can you please make me some papale i want it for our our um a civic uh, uh uh festival and i want to have your hats on so i send her 100 dollars said grandma send me whatever you can so she do and then she said i this how much i i giving you for i i sending you six hats and she said I put one there manuahi just for aloha for you. And so, you know, they always give something extra like that. So I sent her back. I sent her some something, you know, from LA and I put another $20 in. I said, "Grandma, thank you so much. Here's a little uh, uh purse for you and then inside I put the money in because you you want to malama them too. You don't only want to take take take. And then the other one would be to do it with excellence. So don't do kana kapulo. Don't make just any kind and you know don't make it straight. You just spill everything and you make crooked. Do it nicely because I told them in the old days the reason everything is so perfect. You look at the museum, all those they're beautiful yes. because of the kapu. Mm. They were under kapu. When they did these things, they cannot make any kind uh, because they 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 felt that something you know would happen. Also, they're under the uh, the 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 supervision of the Ali. So anything nice is for Ali, not for you. Everything you look at, all of them perfect, perfect. The capes, oh, yeah. the all that beautiful work, but that's that's not for the regular people. That's for those that are of rank because they. other ones that only they can have that so that's why everything was perfect see and today we don't have that there's no nobody serving chiefs or the king or anything so uh we'll give it to mamara and you know whatever but you have cannot be kapulo and also my have peel don't give up because some of the kids and you know something get too hard i don't want to do this and they put them down because they say oh too much or oh, oh, my hands so yeah. <laughs> you know oh I, i going like that on the wood oh my hands so oh i got i said no you keep keep at it rest a little bit and do it because i said if you if you i said what kind what kind of nation we going to have if Only you first learning chanting, you first learning hula, you first learning the protocol, and then when come down to do this kind, you don't know how, mm-hmm. or you don't want to, or you lazy. I said you cannot. And also, what I bring into all of it is pule, because whenever we were taught, the kupunas always pule, and this is something that a lot of the uh, 
the schools, they cannot because public school, you cannot mm-hmm. talk about religion or anything. But you need to bring that aspect because that's a part of the culture. And I told DJ, I said, you know, I was listening to the uh, Brother Clinton Kanaheli's transcripts in the thing. He went all around in the 1970s tape, all the kupunas from the church. And they were, he would ask them questions about their life, how they grew up, and then, you know, their job in the Mormon church and everything. And, you know, one of the kupunas, he said, um, oh, uh, komako, komako, uh, lahui, hemahema. And see, hemahema means a little bit clumsy, you know, do something right. But hemahema, in his, uh, definition, he said, it is all in Hawaii. He said, we are the people of the covenant. Mm-hmm. And because our people broke the covenant, this is the prob- why the problems have come upon our people today. He said, look, the other day they found that man, he was walking drunk on the road and in the night and then the car hit him and he died. He said, you know, those are one of the boys from our ward. He said, this is not good. He said, our people are going, they're not, we used to have them go to education, they were learning. Now they don't care. They don't go to school, they're not learning. Look, the other races all going ahead of us. He said, I encourage my kids, you go to college, you get the education you need so you can be who you want. And this is what I want my, our children too. If we're going to build a nation, you need to have good people. You need to have people of character. They're not going to steal a lot of money. Well, we, you know, money, a lot of money will come in to the kingdom, but you got to be responsible. You got to take them and go squander it. Mm-hmm. And also, we want you to be good fathers and mothers and uh, have nice families. We don't want the guys fooling around with five different women and no come home and then the kids all got to, mommy got to take care of everything. I work in the prisons. And a lot of our boys over there are nice, nice boys, but made mistake. And they're scared because they're in there, no more daddy at home. They're scared because the, who, the daughter 12 years old, oh, what happened to my daughter? What if she get hurt or something? What if somebody take advantage of her? Or my wife having a hard time because she, only her working mm-hmm. and she got to pay everything. And, you know, they, they really, they come together in prayer, uh, when we, I'm there on Wednesdays. They say, please pray for my family. I'm so concerned. My wife, my wife is not well. My mom has cancer and, you know, we, we need help. And I said, okay, let's bring this to God because with man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So we all pray for them. You know, next week they go, oh, thank you, brother. Oh, I, I found out my mother's getting better and my wife found another job and she's going to do better. And I said, you see, I said, while you here, draw closer to the Lord. While you are here, use this time as a, a wonderful retreat. I know it's sad because you cannot be with your family and everything, but there's a purpose. Because a lot of them say, oh, when I get out, I might just not listen and all that. So, you know, they, they, they say, we know we need to get this down because we don't want to go back out there and go back on drugs or go steal and do all that and then go back right into jail. And 
I, 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 that's why I do it. I work with the, with our kids in the school because I said, you know, this is the next generation. If they don't have the right things in their heart, in their life, then how will we expect them to raise good families? How are they going to train their kids like how we were trained? Yeah. You see? And I told him, I told DJ, I said, we need good examples of Hawaiian men, loving fathers, good husbands. That's what we need. You know, we don't need the kind of, oh, the guy going to the bar and going this and that with all the hookahs and whatever. Well, no, we don't want that kind because we need strong families. And this strong family make a strong nation. You cannot have bus up families. You have to have, but it starts with the men. That's why all the guys, the kid, the boys, I pay special attention to our boys because they need good examples and they need to be worked with patiently and lovingly because some don't have it that at home. Daddy don't, daddy not around or daddy not, not a good father. They need that because otherwise, how are they going to be? good men when they get out of school and then they get married and have children, see? So tapa making and all of this stuff is just the vehicles to help train their character. Mm. See, this is only a piece of it and the rest of it has to deal with, like she said, the inside, you know, what are the things, the values. These are important because the people who did those things back in the old days, this is what I told him. They're not telling the truth about the history. Hawaii was one of the few places where they say, oh, you know, the guys came here and they gave them the Bible and took all the land and blah, 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 blah. blah. Okay, but you have to understand who went over there and asked them to come in the first place was Henry Opukahaia. He went there, he saw what it was, and he says, I need this for my people. I want them to 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 learn. Yes, look what they're doing. They're writing all their thoughts down. They have books. They can write their history. Everything. We can do the same thing. I want this for my people. He asked everybody over there, "Will you come to my home? Will you help me? Will you do this?" Now they didn't come because it was going to be Hilton Waikoloa Village and Aulani and all that. <laughs> Back then was bad. Some of them died because it was very primitive. They came because of the call of God that Henry said, please help my people. Of course, he died first. Like they said, the seeds sometimes die in the ground so that the life can come forth. And when he came, that came and that spread throughout the islands. Hawaii became by the 1840s, 98% literacy. People were writing. You look at all the newspaper, uh, Hawaiian newspapers, the things they wrote about. They wrote books, they communicated, they expressed their thoughts. This was literate people. And I look at that because that's how we're getting the information for Tapa and all that. We're looking at the old records in Hawaiian. And you look at what they wrote. And I said, wow, all the detail here and how it relates to the culture, how it is this and that, and make sure you do this. And this plant is, they wrote it all down. It was because the rest of Polynesia now did not have that till later. The Hawaiians were already to the place, not only 98% literacy, 
they're sending out missionaries to the other islands, Hawaiians going out. And the government, I just read a book uh, by Kamanabima, and he said the Ali'i took the concepts from the West, but also incorporated the Hawaiian values and culture to create the government that would be fitting for their people. And of course, I feel they gave a government that had aloha. Mm -hmm. Because you look at the other ones, they, uh, in the United States, they was killing the Indians left and right and, you know, wiping them out and do, you know, and even the, the, the slaves and all this kind of stuff and their own people. You know, it was not only against the Africans and the Indians or of their own kind. So Hawaii had equality, fairness, justice. And I believe because of all the things they learned, they were enlightened. That's what Henry Opukahia wanted. He said, I want my people to learn. And this is the same thing we would like for our next generation. Learn the things that Yokupuna left, all of this, but also don't forget the legacy that they left. Hawaii was not cannibals and, you know, all this, the South Pacific, they're still cannibals and raiding each other and all this kind. Hawaii was already civilized. Mm -hmm. And yet they were keeping the culture by writing all that stuff down in the newspapers. That's why we have a wealth of information today because of that. Writing their, their, their poems, writing their, somebody died, their, 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 their uh, kanikau, they're writing all of that inside. Even stuff about my wife's great-grandfather, I found even last night. I wow. put in HB Lohelani Pola Pola, and sure enough, things came in the newspaper. One of them, I think, had to do with a mortgage or something. I said, oh my God. I said, honey, your great-great-grandfather, he had property. And look, this thing in the newspaper, it has his name. And it has him saying that his wife and this and that and that. So I said, it shows you these are real people. Grandpa wrote them down, but this shows you these are real people in real history. It gives you the exact date and the year of that article. Because they're, they're, they're up, 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 um, going before the judge and asking for this and that and that, and they recorded it in the Hawaiian newspaper. So all of that is important. With this tradition, the traditional crafts and everything, the learning, we teach the science to the kids, we teach mathematics to the kids. Look, when you print like this, how many times you gotta count? One of my uh, students before, she got the calculator, she calculated, how many times the oil cup on go, gotta go from here and over here? She measure. How, how wide, and then she measured the, the space from here to here, and then she go, okay, times this by this. Okay, I gotta do them 132 times. That's how smart she was. Today she's Sunny Ching, number one alakai. But that girl, even now she's doing it on a computer, the graphics. She making the top of designs on top of that. Just like him, how he's yeah. doing all his beautiful. This guy gonna be on famous uh, artists pretty soon. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. We're gonna see, and then you gotta do podcasts over there. <laughs> I think that's interesting too about how you're saying that we really do need to look back at the history and the traditions of our people, but then our younger generations can blend that with new technology yes. that we have available today. To They're smart, you know. 
the culture even、yeah. more in a different way that、right. you know might not have been available because they digitalizing everything. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And before you can, you gotta go to the library. You gotta go to the archives. You gotta go look. This one now, you just go and tap, and you go in and you Google, and then it comes out. But they have to put it in first,、mm-hmm. yeah. and so this is their their uh, uh, skill that they're doing. You know, to to communicate with the outside world, but they're going to be doing it through the、uh, online. I think that was the reason too that I got. I wanted to get interested in. Learning the kapa making because as a graphic designer, you know I was doing research and doing all kinds of、uh, pattern designs. I kind of actually got interested, and that's why I approached you to kind of help me get me started on that. And so that's why I decided to get the valky plant and you know start growing that. And now it's growing out under I'm waiting. And so during the whole kapa making process, you learn patience. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, you cannot just do quickly. So it takes time, and that's what I wanted to do. That's why I got into it because I wanted to go through the process. Yeah,、mm-hmm. to go through what the kupunas went through. They went through that whole process. They waited. They grew the plant themselves, and they waited till the time was right. And when the time was right, they stripped the bark. Another process of beating it. Getting the you know the beater and put it on the anvil and just pounding for hours until they got it to the point where it was ready to be you know to start making the design. You wonder now when they first came, that plant had to be brought here. So the first groups that came, we we know that okay you you don't have to wait to the plant、uh, for one year. It takes about a year and a, a、right. year and a half.、Mm-hmm. Okay, but you don't have to wait a year and a half. You can harvest down there. And dry it and roll it up in a kuka like the lauhala. You can make it in a roll. So you you probably would have packed a lot of that with you, so that when you arrive, you can still make some clothes、mm-hmm. for yourself. But they also、um, uh, tried to look for other plants that they could use, and they did find a、uh, mamaki. They did find some other plants they could use as a substitute.、Mm. Uh, the ulu can also be used, but. You gotta wait till the ulu grow, you know.、Yeah. And the Hawaiians only bought one kind ulu and one kind wauke to to Hawaii. All the different varieties that came later live Samoan variety. They have all the different ones, but the Hawaiian variety is only one kind. Tahiti they have all different kinds, and then the wauke they only bought one. When I go to Samoa, they have this、uh, different one. You go to Tonga, they have a different one. They have Fiji has similar to Tonga, but Hawaii brought it from wherever they were in Tahiti. So it's the same plant. When you see in Tahiti, Marquesas, and all, that's the one. The Tahitians came the other week to the school, and the kids taught them how to do that.、Mm-hmm. And they came from the. So I think the teacher mentioned Tuamotu. So she was showing me、uh, what they do down there. You know, she was making the costume and everything, and、uh, I told them, I said, "Oh, but the tapa, but I don't think they do it down there." She kept saying, "Oh, Marquesas, Nukuhiva, Nukuhiva, or something." They don't do it in Tuamotu or、uh, even Tahiti proper. And then I think the down by Rimatara、uh, and Lurutu, it's all、uh, Lauhala. They specialize in that. Tuomoto, she showed me shells. She got the the the, 
Uh, she made a bra out of the lauhala. She did like a design and then she put shells around. So maybe that's their uh, uh, specialty is they make different shell necklace, shell costumes like that. But the tapa, uh, they don't have hardly anything, mm-hmm. you know. And same thing with the Hawaiians. We'd have had nothing too. But, you know, 40 years ago, there were many of us that started to revive it. And today, Dalani, you just had her the daughter here the other week. Um, it, it's, it's through her dedication because she goes out and teaches all over the place. Fantastic lady, you know. That's why anytime she need help or something, I try to help her because, you know, it, it's, it's not easy. I can just go to work and get a paycheck. She's got to make sure every day is her paycheck, you know, wherever she she goes. But she has done quite a bit uh, just within the time she's practiced. Um, uh, one of the things we, we want to do for the future is uh, Pua Van Dorp, who I worked with, extensive research, very detailed notes, experiments and everything, and b- b- doing different types of tapa. She's the only one that came up with the tapa look just like the old one. The Hilton Hawaiian Village, she has one hanging over there. And uh, her daughter is here, uh, moved to Honolulu. So hopefully, you know, she'll bring uh, mommy's notes and everything. We'll get it so we can bring a lot of that. Her husband is 92 years old. He's still in the hospital in Kohala. He said, well, Pua was never into uh, production. So once she made a certain Tapa, that's it. That's the only design. I mean, that's the that's only. the only type she did. Like the Dalani, she makes something, but she got to keep making orders, and you know, she got to deliver and all that. Pua did not do for production or for orders. Mm-hmm. I think maybe in the end they wanted to, they needed money, so they went and made for a bishop estate or something like that. But in general, she didn't mass produce. So what she did, once she made it, that's it. Now she go on to another project, wow. and she do that. But all in these boxes are all the records. Because I was with her many times. You know, we went up uh, K&I State Park. And she went up to E.L. Valley with Wes Wong and uh, Sam Ka'ai. They brought down the Wauke. I and her, you know, she and I would be at the house pounding the, the leaves to make dyes and all that. And, you know, it, it, it it's a lifetime because, you know, now the daughter is in her, I think the daughter almost 50 now. Mm. And she's a grandma. So she, I said, now's your time. You got to start teaching what you learned with, from your mom, yeah. you know, and get that together. So hopefully she does. Hopefully she does. Because once we can produce the stuff her mother did, then it's identical to what we had way back. See, and she, she told, um, the husband told me, it said Pua uh, found out the more she 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 researched, the more she did all her work, the more she found out she didn't know. So what varieties she did uh, reproduce, she said there's still way more different types that, that and that's how uh, advanced the Hawaiians were in in that art. See more than everyone in the South Pacific because. They didn't just stay with one type of tapa they had. They kept doing different types. And the, the fineness, the texture, she had one that was like 
tissue paper, the type you wrap the presents with. And it was a huge, the size of a king size bed, had five sheets. And when she was going through, she said, oh my God, oh my God. She was, you know, peeling on my pot. And I said, wow, to make something like that, the size of a king size bed and like tissue paper, and you just lift it up and it was all even. Wow. Okay. We don't know who did that, but we don't know how to do that to make it like a tissue paper that, that big, you see. But that's what those people could do before. And it was plain. It had no design on top. It was white. Mm-hmm. But that could be just as valuable, see, because the cloth was very fine and it was just pure. So you look at that and you say, wow, nowhere else in Polynesia do you see stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that everyone have their own nice stuff they do, okay? You can't say Hawaiian is better than everybody. Hawaiian did bring it up to another level because they, they went from what they had, which looked like the rest of Polynesia, to something that looked like Western cloth. And they tried to put the designs on, but they made their own designs. You know, the Hawaiian, like one of them I tell them is the, the, the one with the sea urchin on top, okay? It, 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 it looks like something, one of the calico prints, when you look, you, you look afar and you see that sea urchin and then the lines in between. But if you really look at it closer, there is the one that says, uh, palakahala, momona kaha uki uki. So this means that when the lauhala fruit ripe, just around now, maybe going into June, and they fall down on the ground. You see, they all uh, break apart and yellow fruit all over the ground. This is when the hala is ripe. So now if I'm going to go make lei, I go pick now. Because when you crack it open, usually going to be about a, a yellow color, okay, sometime orange. Uh, you, you, if you're not ready, like the red one, the red one not going to even be red. You know, going to be um, white inside. So you got to get it when it's pala. You got to get it when it's ripe. But when it is and it fall down, the ha'ukiuki, the sea urchin, the one that's uh, purple and the spikes around, not on the top, that is ready for eat. See, so it's the timing and the season. When you look at that tapa, if you don't know those, those olelo noeau, you don't know those sayings, you don't see the kauna behind it. Because in the ha'uki-uki that they printed, the little, that net lines that you see going across is made from the lauhala fruit. They cut the thing down to the, to the bristles down to where it's flat. And then they stuck it in the dye and they went like this. And they stamped it. But if you don't know that that's the lauhala fruit, then you don't know the whole thing. You see, you just think it's a, they've made lines like this, but if you, you living in the culture, and then you look at it, you know that's the hala. And then you see the hauki-uki, and then you know already, palaka hala, momonaka, hauki-uki. That the culture and the art intertwine. It's hard to understand that kauna unless you. With each other. You see, if you don't understand it, then you cannot look at that. That's why some people, they got, uh, they did other kind of lines in between. Mm. You know, they didn't, they didn't understand that it had to be the hollow fruit 
Also, the dyes. Just recently, I was uh, on a class at the Bishop Museum. What happened was, okay, Lono, the Makahiki, they have the two white banners, yeah, the mm-hmm. top of banners. But when you're going from Makahiki, which is the uh, Huilo, the, the wet season, now we're going into Kauvela to the dry. Okay, from Lono, you go into Ku. Kauvela, the summertime, is Ku, okay? Who, of course, you know, that's why it had war and all that. There's a different, there's a different uh, aspect to everything. Now, the Kinolao of Ku is Noni. So, the Noni by itself is yellow. When you scrape the root and you, you do it, it's yellow. But when you put the Puna, which is the coral when you burn it, and then it makes calcium hydroxide, the lime, you know, you put, you put that inside, the thing turn red. Okay. This well, is what, where if you don't know the, right. the, the, um, the culture. Last year they made one. They use alaya. They use the, the clay, you know, when you put on the salt. So that's how the color was made on the banner was, I said, what color did that person, how did you make that color? <laughs> oh, the girl used alaya. Okay. But Alaya is Lono. Yeah. Okay? It's not cool. So they asked me, can you come up? But we only have, we only have five days because our thing is <laughs> uh, at the aquarium. And I thought, oh, shoot. So I had to go a couple of over here, dig out the root, and um, uh, went home and tried my best. We, we had to make red. Okay? So I went home. I, I, I beat the top out. And then I painted the first time the dye. Actually, I didn't. I, I dyed the whole thing in the dye, and I put the lime, and it turned red. But when it dried, it was pink. Oh, no. So I said, oh, no can, got to be red. So what I did was I got the dye the, straight from the roots, and I put the lime inside there, and then I had to hand paint the thing on. Then by the next morning, it stayed, stayed red like that wow. on the cloth. So I delivered it to uh, Sam and I said, you know what, I, I, I don't know, um, how are you going to do this? You going to cut them in half or what? Because you got to make the banner. So he said, well, we'll take care of it. So he, when they did that, they sent me the pictures later. And the guy carrying the, the banner, now it's not a long one like the Lono one. It's a shorter one. But all they had was a picture that, I don't know, somebody, Captain Cook's artist or somebody drew. And it's just a short one like this coming like that, tapered. So what they did was they cut mine in half and then they made it tapered like that. But it showed the red color. And then they put it on the stick, you know, like this. Mm-hmm. And then the guy carried the banner and then they did their chants. They went up down by the ocean, faced the sun, and they did all that. Okay. So in creating this, it was important to know the culture. Because the Kinolao of Lono is the no, uh, uh, excuse me, is the, um, uh, is for, is Wauke, okay? And then also the Alaya and all that, that's all associated with Lono. That's how come his banner is white, mm. the thing coming down like this. Okay, but then you go from then, you go into Kauvela, which is the dry season. You go into Ku. Ku, his Kinolao, the plant form, is a None, okay? But noni by itself is yellow. It's not red. So you have to add the puna, the lime. P- 
Puna is associated with Hina because there's Ku and Hina, light and dark, male and female. See, the two opposing. We get that thing on each side, mm-hmm. on, the, on, the, on the wall. That one side is Hina and one side is Ku. So the balance. In fact, uh, in our lobby, the girls on one side on the mural and then the two the, men on the other side. So where the spa is, is Kanaloa and Kane. And on the other side is um, Pele and uh, Hiyaka. Yeah? The, the two sisters yeah, yeah. in the canoe. Okay. On this side, where the two men are, Disney had to research because they didn't put Pele on that side. They put Kane. Kane showing his... Kanaloa asked the brother, can you please find water for me? I'm going to make my ava. So he is digging and he hits the fresh water and the fresh water come up with Kane Kavai Ola. Okay? The spa is water. Yeah, we have the jacuzzi, the water, the shower, everything. Okay, so the water have to be related to kane and the healing, freshwater healing and everything. So Disney had to make sure that the thing was on the, that side, not on the other side. Mm-hmm. Then is cool on our, on that side too, because of the two men. Right. Anyway, on top of the mirror, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, when you go by the ocean, get the, yeah. the mirror yeah, on yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. The man got to be on one side and the lady got to mm-hmm. be on the other side. Okay, because the ku and hina, mm. all that, 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 that masculine and the feminine and all that. So these things all play a part. Now, of course, in the psyche of those people back then, you didn't need to explain that to them. Yeah. They already yes. know. Okay, the red color, because it's kalvela, got to be noni. Because we're not going to use the, uh, uh, oh, kukui. Kukui can come red too, but more br- reddish brown. Mm. But kukui is lono. Yeah, same. Okay? So I was going to use kukui because I was desperate. I said, oh my God, no more time. You gotta, but cannot because it's lono. And they needed to have that story told when they were doing the procession and whatever. And tell them tell, this would be the first time they would be able to say something like that. So that's why it was very important. It put plenty of pressure for finish that. But, because of that, when they did their ceremony this year, and then they had the proper kappa died with noni, they were able to incorporate all of that together. So they have they had the chant, you know, they had the chant, they had the protocol, all that John Lake had taught them, but they didn't have the kappa. Because you cannot do everything. You cannot learn chant and dance hula and everything and go do the kappa all at the same time. You need experts. Even in the old days, there were experts that were doing that work. Everybody maybe had their own uh, person make kappa for the family. But the ones that could do certain kinds of kappa was all experts. They concentrated on that. Just like the, the one make the feather capes or the feather lace, the experts, they go in that, that, that's their kuleana. You know what I mean? So this is something that the more you get into, you're fascinated. You go, wow, they knew so much. And to use that background of the culture to create is fantastic. I tell you, you know, just, just looking at the stuff at the end and you go, oh, there's a lot to this. It's not just the color. Mm-hmm. 
there's a story behind this. And it's not puni puni kai, because today many people make many people making stories up, you know. <laughs> but this is true. <laughs> true meaning. Wow, that's so awesome. Yeah, very amazing. We, Uncle West, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast, for sharing with us your banal. We learned so much. That's my pleasure. I thought we were just learning about tapa tonight, but we learned about all kinds. <laughs> uh, very cool. Very interesting. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, meaningful stories and. Yeah. The meaning of tapa and you know the other work. I stayed away from the risque stories because that came with the lobe lobe. We cannot we cannot tarakai with the tapa story. <laughs> no, we really, we really appreciate it. Are there any last words? Maybe inspiring words. What are some things that you want to leave with our with our listener? You know, I uh, like I mentioned to you, the kids. Uh, I try to bring in the aspect of the pule, mm-hmm. and. Um, just to give them uh, uh, an idea of the things that were taught to us by the kupuna. Especially like, you know, I look at it, I go, I go, when I went to Samoa, I still, if I still go down to Samoa, Tonga, Fiji and all that, you know, they're very devout people. Yes. And I remember when my wife and I went to Fiji and um, Tereka's sister came to see us at the hotel on Sunday after church. She came and then we gave her a kukui nut lei, you know, as a gift and gave her a little present. And she gave us something to take back to the sister. But before she left the room, she said, I'm sorry, I have to take this off because it's Sabbath and I cannot wear jewelry or anything. So she took the kukui nut, put it in her purse, and then she left. And they have that kind of reverence down there. You know, well, you know, Samoa, if you're running around during a sun, they throw the rocks at you, and then the kids get the stick, you know, whatever. They have very, the reverence for, uh, for respect for God. And this is something that I hope as we teach these things, it will instill within the kids a reverence for the sacred. Because this is what inspired the people when they made their creations. The manna came down from heaven, went through them as the channel, and what came out was the very breath of God himself in through their hands. So if your thing came out ugly, they probably say, oh, the manna never come out through that one. You know? <laughs> the, but that meant they had to be reverent. They had yeah. to be clean. You know, even in this kind of work, I'm sure they, when we were learning weaving, anti-Gladys said, you know, I tell the students, if they're angry and they're frustrated, put it down. Don't weave when you're angry. Because what happened is your fingers are all tense and everything. And then when you weave, the thing gonna come out a little different. So she, she said, um, see, and hala, uh, is the, the plant. But it also mean uh, the the offense that you have to forgive in Ho'oponopono, you gotta forgive, yeah. So part of this is the younger generation is teaching them. You know what? This is something that the, you didn't have to teach the the kupuna. They already understood. No matter what, you have to forgive. You have to don't hold those things, the anger and the resentment and everything in your heart, because you know it's gonna kill you. It's going to cause health problems. It's going to destroy you. you mentally, you're going to have all kinds of problems. 
The coupon has always told her, forgive, let it go. Don't hold that stuff in. It's going to affect everything you do. Like the lauhala, the thing, the hat weave will come out funny kind of what. Wait till you settle and you, you, uh, you took care of the pillowcase, then you come back and you start again. And this is important. Even today, as I was massaging this one woman, she told me, she said, you know, I, I, I do hypnotherapy as part of helping people. And, you know, and, uh, she said, you don't have to be licensed to do it because she's not a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And she, I told her, you know, I have a friend who did that ho'oponopono. He used, uh, neurolinguistic programming with me. And he did that, uh, with me, uh, a, a month and a half ago. And it was such a wonderful experience. I just slept and I felt so, uh, uh, rested and peaceful. But out of it, I, I discovered something that I needed to forgive and let go. And I told her, I said, you know, I, I'm so fortunate that he allowed me to experience that. And she said, well, that's what it is. We never tell you in this process what it is. We let you discover it through the, the uh, ling- neurolinguistic NLP. And then you deal with it so that you can let it go. Because she said, it's very important. And I said, you know, I want to tell you something. As I'm talking to you, I know you said this, your back and everything was so tight and everything. But I don't feel the tightness. And it's not you, it's me. Because right now, I'm remembering what happened. And I'm remembering the experience of letting this person go that I actually was so angry with and hated. And it freed me up. To where I, the person can still be nasty, but it doesn't bother me. And she said, yes, because the power is no longer there. Because not because of that, them, is because of you. And I said, you know, that's so beautiful. What you're doing to help people. Because right now, I'm not even tired when I'm working on you. I know you said it was going to be hard, but I don't feel tired. After it was done, I said, thank you so much. This is such a wonderful experience. I feel so, so honored to have worked with you. I, I, it was such an enriching, and she said, thank you as well. And I realized that for the kupuna, forgiveness to Kala was so important. Because if we're going to have anything else to do with any of these arts and things that we do, if we don't let that go, it'll destroy us. And I don't care how beautiful art you want to create and not, it's not going to come out beautiful. The old folks say you have to get rid of that. It's no good. You got to get rid of all that kaumaha, all the inner inner, all that stuff that no good, that pilau and everything. Get it out. Auntie Margaret said, let it go before the sun set every day. She said, otherwise you tighten your own blood vessels. And she said, pretty soon you're going to get dizzy and you're going to wonder why you, you're falling, you're going to fall down. She said, because you're constricting those blood vessels. And I said, you know, I was doing that to myself and my blood pressure go up and everything. And, you know, I said, I can't live like that anymore. So for the kids, I said, you know, re- learn the things that the kupuna did before. Angry, nasty, 
We like kill those people. We hate them. We want to tear them apart. What did you hear from those in the past? They were so loving. They were forgiving. Everyone remembers how pleasant the experience was when they came to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. They were taken in by the Hawaiians. The Hawaiians gave them what little they have. But they were loving people. I said, we cannot lose that. If we lose that, we lose everything. We're going to become just like the people they hate. We don't want that. The kids got to learn. Today, there's so much angry, the anger and the resentment and all this, and we got to do that, and F them, damn, this and those. But then you know what the queen, she experienced that. But what did she do? She wrote down, my nana inno inno, na heva o kanaka, aka e hui kala, ama e ma inno. You forgive the sins of this people and cleanse us and let us be clean important of all the things we do otherwise your stuff gonna come out all ugly your heart gotta be clean mahalo thank you thank you very much thank you so much uncle s it's beautiful mahalo uncle s and thank you all for listening today you can visit us at our website www.thepacificcurrent.com Please um, subscribe and listen to our channel and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, if you have any uh, aloha that you would like to share with Uncle Wes, please um, send it to us and we will send it to him. I'm Jenica Kay. Thank you so much. And this is Andrew T. 